0: Okay, how many of you know it to be true that your response matters? Like when, you, uh, when you're in your room and then you hear your mom call uh, for dinner, you can say, one second, mom, I'll be right there. Or you can say, one second, mom, I'll be right there. Same words, different meaning based on the response. Uh, what about like somebody walks by and they're wearing an outfit It's not something you would wear, but, you know, you have a choice of how you respond. You can say, oh, nice outfit. Or, oh, nice outfit. Pretty different responses. Uh, Changes the meaning of what your words say. Uh, Or what about this one? Stop. Stop it. (laughs) Stop. Versus stop. Stop it. Stop! Changes the meaning. Your response matters. And the reason that I want to talk to you about your response and why it matters is because worship is a response. Worship is a response to who God is and all he has done. It's a response to who God is and all he has done. And so because of who God is, because of his love, his mercy, his peace, his patience, because of all of those attributes of God, and because of all he's done for us, creation, sending Jesus to die for our sins and then be raised again so we can have new life with him, sending us the Holy Spirit so we can have God with us at all times, like all of those things are worthy of a response. And how we respond reflects how we feel about those things because worship is a response to who God is and what he's done in your life. And so as we look at... um, this series, we're taking worship songs and we're looking at where they get their truth from, where, why we sing them in the first place. And all of it comes from scripture. It's not just random words that sound really good together in a melody. It's not just like catchy lyrics that you can quote on an Instagram post. There is truth in them. And they teach us something about who we are, who God is, and what we're supposed to do about all of it. And so tonight we're going to look through Refiner and we're going to look at how this song has uh, taught us about worship, what it has to teach us about worship and our response to God. See, uh, singing has been like the main response of, of worship for centuries. Like we do it every week at United. It's a huge part of Epworth and Mission Trips. It's one of our core values We say we are worshipers because we value worship. We value singing songs in response to God. Worship has also existed long before most other things that we consider crucial to our faith. The Bible, so important. The church, super great. Singing songs has been around way longer than those things. Like, it's one of the oldest connectors we have to our faith. But Singing songs of worship is not the only response, and my argument today is that it can't be our only response. And you might say that's why we called this series More Than a Song, because our response needs to be more than a song. And so, uh, starting in Romans 12, verse 1, uh, this is the beginning um, where the first four lines of Refiner uh, draw their inspiration from. Romans 12.1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So because of who God is, because he is full of mercy, and he showed us that mercy through Jesus, I'm begging you, I urge you that your life should be the response to who God is and all he has done. That's what Paul is teaching the church in Rome. See, they, they grew up with a different context for worship. They had hundreds of gods that they would worship all the time. And the Jewish people had one God that they would worship all the time. And so as Paul is teaching the Roman Christians of what it looks like to worship, he says your true worship, the true response of who God is, And all he has done should be the way that you live your life. It's more than a song. It's how you live your life. And the lyrics of Refiner say this. If the altar's where you meet us, take me there. If what you need is just an offering, it's right here. My life is here. And I'll be a living sacrifice for you. So both Romans 12... And Refiner talk about this living sacrifice. And the imagery of a sacrifice and um, and like being on an altar is very important to the meaning of this song. Because like we have altars right here, right? Um, And we use them for prayer. And that is what they are used for. So you're doing a great job. But these things get their name from a different kind of altar. Uh, The altar they get their name from was like this like table, like slab thing of wood or stone and people would bring something of value and they'd place it on the altar then that thing would be completely consumed by fire it would disappear forever and that was their offering and it was called a sacrifice because the people had to give up something that they valued there was no way to get it back you didn't like bring your sacrifice and leave it on the table and leave and then monday morning you couldn't come back and be like oh good here's all my crops their mind now. Like, you were completely giving them up to God, which is why it's called a sacrifice. And so, both Romans 12 and Refiner are showing us that there is something about giving up something of value in response to who God is that points to worship. And what they're arguing is, what they're teaching us is, that how we live our lives is the most important response that we can offer up To God. Because what's more important to us than us, right? Like, we want what we want. We do what we want to do. We have hopes and dreams for our future. We want to treat people the way we want to treat them. We want to live the life that we want to live. And when anyone tells us to do differently, what do we do? We cancel them. We tell them that they don't know what they're talking about. We do the opposite because. No one's going to control us, right? We're going to live our lives the way that we think they should be lived. But if we're talking about worship and we're talking about what it looks like to have true and proper worship, a true response to who God is and all he's done, then it can only be how we live our lives. And so what does that life look like? it's already hard enough to talk about like sacrificing with teenagers because like the last thing you want me to tell you is to not live life the way you want to live it. This is like the prime time to live life how you want to live it. Um, and I get that. I do. I know that it's hard. And we sing these lyrics like so, so simply. And yet the meaning behind it is so heavy. And, and like, I get that. I get that it's hard to actually want to live this out. But the, the life... That we're being asked to live is one of obedience. And obedience is the last word that you wanna hear. I know that. Like, I can tell that most of you in the room, you hear obedience and you're like, good lord, I don't like this. I don't wanna talk about it. And that's fair. And I think it's because the version of obedience that you're thinking of is like when you train a dog. You say, sit, it sits, you tell it to stay, it stays, and then you reward it with a treat. And then when it doesn't do what you've trained it to do, you rub its face and pee, right? And so there's a reward and punishment for doing what you're told when you're told to do it or a punishment for when you don't do that. And that's how we think of obedience. But the problem is that's not like, that's not the biblical view of obedience because God is a God of freedom, but also requires obedience. And to us, obedience seems like the opposite of freedom because we have to do something that someone else is telling us. That's not freedom But obedience is not the opposite of freedom. See, obedience actually looks more like this. I think we have a picture of it, potentially. Yes, okay. So this is a painting of a grandchild learning from his grandfather how to play the banjo. And you might be thinking, what does this have to do with obedience? But we're going to break it down together. So this child is resting entirely on his grandfather. His grandfather is supporting him. He's barely holding the banjo. The grandfather is also supporting the banjo. And the kid is, he's learning how to strum to the rhythm and where to place his fingers, but he's only able to do that because he's allowing his grandfather to place his hands where they belong. He's letting him guide where his fingers should go and at what time he should uh, strum on the strings. Like, he could fight all he wants and pretend that he could do this on his own. But like, have you ever heard a kid like just pick up a guitar or like a a piano and they just like hit all the keys at once. And they're like, I'm playing music. And you're like, no, you're not, please stop. And it sounds bad. Like that's what would happen if he stopped to try and do it on his own. And the reason that he's allowing his grandfather to guide him is because he recognizes he can't do it on his own. And so this is what obedience looks like. It's less do what I say and more, let him show you a better way. And let him guide you to make beautiful music together. See, we think obedience is sit down when I tell you to sit or go when I tell you to go. But really, obedience is a willingness to say, you know better than I do. And I want you to guide me through this process. And so, this is the life that God has asked us to live. A life of obedience. One, that when we do that, it is a living sacrifice. It is true and proper response to who God is. And if we're honest, and if I'm honest, this is not what our life looks like. Our life is not a reflection of who God is, our reflection of, of our life is who we are and what we want. And like this is something I struggle with every single day. Is wanting my life to be more about obedience and less about me striving to do what I think is best. And if I'm honest, and if you're honest. It's rarely like this. And it's okay that we can be honest about that. We're all in the same boat. We are all struggling with this. And so while the beginning message of Refiner is all about recognizing that our response to God is worship and the way that we do that is in song, the whole second part of Refiner is about recognizing that we can't do that on our own and that we mess that up all the time. And God knew that from the beginning. He knew we were gonna mess it up. And he still offers us the same love and goodness that he always has. There's a story in Luke chapter 18. And this this guy, he's only described as rich and a ruler. It's the only two things we know about him. And he comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And this is a really valuable question, right? He's not just asking, how do I get to heaven? He's asking How do I make sure that everything I do in this life matters because there's something on the other side waiting for me? How do I make sure that I matter and I'm not just a blip in existence and then I'm gone one day? How do I make sure that I have a relationship with a God who loves me, not just now here on earth, but forever? Like this is a real valuable question. And I'm sure we have asked similar questions before, like what's the point? why am i here and what am i supposed to do with my life and that's essentially what it boils down to but jesus continues he answers no one is good except for god alone and what he's doing here is he's just saying like hey we do recognize that i am the authority on eternal life right so what i say is the answer and the guy allows him to continue and jesus says you know the commandments you're a good jewish guy you just shouldn't commit adultery don't cheat on your spouse don't steal don't kill Don't lie and honor your parents. That's like the big five sins, right? That everyone's really worried about. As long as I don't kill someone, I'm a pretty good person, right? And the guy replies like, all of this I've done since I was a little boy. And like, let's be real for a second. You think this guy has never once lied or cheated? Because I have a really hard time believing that. He's rich and we know how rich people are. I'm just kidding. That's not a fair judgment call. But I know he's human and that's the fair judgment call. He's not perfect. And Jesus recognizes. He says, like, this is good, but you're still lacking one thing. Sell everything you own, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the man, he's one of the few people in recorded scripture that meets Jesus and walks away sad. He walks away sad. His question was answered. Jesus told him how to get eternal life. And he walks away sad because he is too tightly holding on to his authority, his position of power, his wealth, and the price of eternal life was too high for him to follow. He was so tightly holding on to his wealth here that while God is calling him this way, he can only go so far because his wealth is not willing to follow. And if he won't let go, he can't take what God has for him. And all of us, we all have something that we are holding so tightly to. I don't know what it is for you. It might be money, but I have a feeling as middle schoolers and high schoolers, you probably don't have as much money as you'd like. Um, but like for some of us, it's relationships. We refuse to let go of a relationship or the idea of the type of relationship that we want. And as God pulls us one way, we are stopped because we refuse to let go. Or, or a certain amount of influence or... Um, a position or a dream that we have for our future, we're holding so tightly that it stops us from pursuing where God is leading. As he tries to guide us one way, we are stopped holding on to the thing we won't let go of. And so often we walk away sad. Often we walk away frustrated because we can't let go. And if you're like me, as I was really going through this song and trying to discern what the Holy Spirit wanted to talk about and, and how we were supposed to deal with this, this message of like your life being a worthy sacrifice to represent how you feel about God. Like that's a, that's a hard thing. And like me recognizing that my life is not doing that. And, and like you guys are probably sitting here thinking like, how could my life ever look like that? Like, I don't think it's ever looked like that. And that's a fair question. And again, God knew from the beginning that this would be a problem. But the process of recognizing that we have fallen short and then turning to head in the right direction is called repentance. And that's the whole theme, the second part of Refiner. The beginning is acknowledging that we recognize that our life is the response to who God is. And the second part is recognizing that we are bad at it and that we can't do it on our own, and that we need repentance. We need God to help guide us through this process because without him, we struggle. We stay in the same cycles of pain, shame, and regret as we try and figure out life for ourselves. And I feel like this is the only thing I've preached about like the last six times. Like every Fruit of the Spirit series uh, that I, or sermon that I preached, it just felt like it was my desires versus what God wants. And this song is just echoing that same thing. And I have a feeling it's because it's so important that we understand that. And I want to highlight some lyrics about this process of repentance. There's lines like, I want to be tried by fire. I want to be put to the test in fire. I want to see if I hold up in flame. I want to see if I'm going to crack or bend or break or if I'm going to stay solid through a trial. I want to be purified. We'll get back to that word. Uh, You take whatever you desire. That's a hard thing to sing. Giving God permission to take anything out of your life that he doesn't think has value, that's a tough lyric to sing. Followed up by, Lord, here's my life, like a full surrender, it's a difficult lyric to sing. And then those lyrics are followed with, clean my hands, purify my heart. I want to burn for you, only for you. And these lyrics you can find their inspiration in James chapter four, verse eight. James says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And yes, I'm also offended that James calls me a sinner and double-minded because let's be honest, everything is offensive these days and no one can tell you anything that you don't like because it hurts your feelings. It's okay to hurt your feelings if it's true, because that's how we grow. And if we're honest, we are sinners because we choose what we want all the time, fully knowing what God wants for our lives. And we are double-minded because on Monday, we want what God wants for us. And on Tuesday, we want what we want. And then midway through Tuesday, we decide we want what we want again. And we flip-flop back and forth. We are double-minded. And that's okay. Because God knew we wouldn't get it right. Not every time. And not all the time. And so basically, James is saying, anyone who wrestles with the tension of human desire versus what God wants for your life, draw near to God. That's the solution. Come back to him. And that's the definition of what it means to repent. Repent literally means to turn back to or to turn away from. So you turn away from the things that you want and turn back to the life that God has called you to live. That's what repentance means. It doesn't mean, God, I'm sorry, and then you do the same thing again. It doesn't mean, God, please forgive me. It means, God, I am going to turn and walk toward you again. And then when I I fail at doing that, I will repent again, and I will turn, and I will follow you again. And then when I stop, I will turn. And it's a continual process. And this process of repentance sounds a lot like purifying or refining, which is the title of the song. It's almost like they did it on purpose. It's crazy. Um, They titled the song Refiner and they keep using words like purify and fire because there is a refining process that looks very similar to repentance. See, when uh, you take something like gold, uh, you don't just find gold buried in the ground in like bar form. And if you do, please let me know. I would love to help you with that. We can sort out some kind of deal. Um, But no, you find gold like in mud and rock. And it's like mixed with all this other stuff that is not nearly as valuable as gold. And so what you have to do is you have to take whatever you find the gold in, and then you have to crush it, grind it, and sift through it. And then it's probably still not good enough, so you crush it, grind it, and sift through it again. And then finally you get these like really tiny gold specks. And it takes so many of these built up to even get anywhere close to a valuable amount of gold. And what they do with that is those flecks still aren't good enough. There's still other things in that gold that they need to get rid of if they want to charge the highest price for this gold. So what they do is they refine it. They take the gold and they put it in this container and then they heat that container up to like 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is the melting point of gold. That's not a comfortable temperature. It's extremely hot. And the gold becomes like magma. It's liquid metal. And in that process of it becoming this liquid metal, Anything that isn't gold is burnt out of it. The waste that lowered its value is removed. And in the same way, we are refined. The song says, you're the refiner. I want to be consumed. That's asking God to remove things from our life that have no value. That's asking God to remove things that are a waste, and that don't align with the life that he's called us to live. That's a hard thing to sing. But it's so beautiful because when we recognize that this song is a reminder that our lives are a response to God's goodness, and even when there's no way back, even when, sorry, even when we don't measure up, he offers a way back. Like when we recognize this, that we can, fail and try again and fail and try again like God is ready for that he's not He's not waiting on the sidelines waiting for you to mess up one more time and then he drops you for good he desires obedience for you because it is good because he has something better for you than we can offer ourselves and he's he's waiting for you to realize all that he has to offer and he loves you too much to leave you where you're at he doesn't want all that junk to stay in you he wants to refine you he wants to purify you He wants to clean your hands, purify your heart. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to have a relationship with him, not just know about him, not just sing a response to him on Sunday nights. He wants you to know him and to be with him. And so tonight, what we're gonna do is we're gonna treat these altars like their namesake. This is gonna be a place that during... The next several minutes, as we go back into worship, that you can come down and lay down the things that you're holding on to, to lay down the things that that are just filling our lives that have no value, that are are holding us back from the life that God wants to live in, and we're just going to come down to the altars, and we're going to do a really simple prayer, and it can even be the the words to Refiner. It can just be, clean my hands. Purify my heart. I want to burn for you. Take my life as a sacrifice. And then lay down the things that you're holding on to. Talk to God. Spend some time here. Uh, We've opened up the back of the room. You're noticing uh, some rows are missing. We want to give you guys space to respond to who God is and all he's done in your life. But here's the important part just based on what we learned tonight this can't be your only response. It can't just be Sunday night. It has to be all week. And it's gonna be hard because tonight, when it feels good and it's like, yes, everyone else is doing it. And like, I felt the tingles and jingles of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm gonna come down. It's gonna be easy. But then tomorrow morning you're going to wake up and it's school and you don't want to go to school and you don't want to deal with your teachers or classmates. And then it's Wednesday. Don't even get me started about your siblings. They're so annoying. And then it's Friday and you have a lot of choices to make for the next couple days. And this process of a life that is a living sacrifice, a life that reflects who God is and all he has done in our lives is not just a response on a Sunday night. It's a daily response. And this repentance, it's not a one-time thing. Heck, I probably should do it every day. And every time we find ourselves far from the obedience that God has called us into, we can ask him to come near to us as we draw near to him to clean our hands and purify our hearts. Dear God, thank you so much for these students and for their leaders Thank you that you are so good and you've done so much that is worthy of our response. God, I just pray that tonight would be a turning point, that tonight we would come to the altar, we would come fully expectant, holding the things that hold us back from you and we would lay them down. And as you consume us and refine us that those things would disappear and they would not be an option anymore we would not be able to come back to them and that we would recognize obedience is not just a blind following or a well trained dog but it is a beautiful guiding God help our lives to make beautiful music with you help help us to show the world what we think about you and all you've done for us by how you live, how we live our lives. God, forgive us for the ways that we have fallen short. Forgive us for the times that we have chosen to pretend that we know best for our lives when you have continually told us that you have something better. God, bring us peace as we go through a very uncomfortable process of refinement and of repentance help us remember that our life is ultimately a response to who you are and what you've done. It's your name we pray.